Good morning, everyone. I think I know pretty much everyone in the room, but in case you don't know me, I'm Jesse Paget. Um, I normally serve as our worship and young adults pastor here at Prairie Bible Church. Um, thank you so much, Simon, Megan, for your work this morning. Thank you so much for your encouraging message. That was a uh, really, really encouraging to me personally, um, as I'm struggling through a lot of issues surrounding this, what's going on in the world. And thank you, Megan, for your encouragement as well. I appreciate working and serving alongside of you. I want to open up this morning with a short little video clip, actually. Let's see if I can get it to work. Oh, there it is. Can you put that on, please? Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling for the heavyweight championship of the world. Are you ready? Wrestling fans, are you ready? <laughs> For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world from the capital city of the United States of America, Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> so that was Michael Buffer, in case none of you have ever seen him before. And um, he's kind of known, at least in the past he was, as sort of like the chief herald of boxing and wrestling. So you know when he, what he said at the end there? You know when you hear those words, like something's going down. Like punches are going to be thrown and someone is going down, right? Now, with that in mind, I want to take a look at our scripture for this morning again. If you'd read it along with me, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, among other things, do you want to know what I think God might be saying to us through the scripture? Any guesses? Let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> right? I mean, take a look there. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, right? There's a fight going on. And while we might be distracted by things on the outside, such as viruses, such as famines, right? Such as thirst, such as disease, whatever it happens to be at the time, Really, behind the scenes, there's this kind of like this other world. And there's this other war going on. And I feel like this morning, we need to pay particular attention to that. See, the thing is, we are engaged in a battle whether we want to be or not. Okay? Many are going to say, and I've heard this opposition before actually to my face, that Satan and his demons don't work this way anymore. Okay? I'm going to warn you this morning, please hear me this morning, if you hear nothing else. Not only is there no biblical evidence for that, but many people, including myself, 
have actually withstood direct attacks from the enemy. So, and I want to hear me out on this as well. I'm with you on this topic that it can be a little bit frightening because we're dealing with spiritual things. We're dealing with things that by their nature are not material. We are used to dealing with things that involve our five senses, right? Sight, hearing, touch, taste, smell. But the spiritual world often does not involve those things. So I acknowledge this morning that it can be a little bit scary and a little bit difficult to comprehend. But the thing is, we're engaged in this battle, and we're engaged in it whether we're Christians or not. You already said? Many of us in this room have confessed with our mouths and believed in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and now he's sitting in heaven today. We've made that profession. Some of us maybe have not. If you have not, you are even more susceptible to this type of warfare. So hear me out this morning, please. This is a part where we're gonna, I'm going to share a little bit more of my testimony. Warning. Okay? We've been talking about the barbarian way a little bit um, these past couple of weeks. It's a book study that we're heavily involved in right now. And it talks about, the basic premise of the book is that following Jesus is not safe, okay? I want to tell you this morning that what I'm going to share with you about my personal testimony might not be considered safe. It's not the type of testimony where I grew up in Sunday school, I learned to follow all of God's rules for my life, and everything went really, really well for me, okay? That's not exactly how it worked. So please, um, I invite you to listen. I'm going to do the best that I can to, uh, to walk you through it. I'm not sharing what I'm about to share with you because I want to tell you ghost stories, okay? I'm not telling you this just to freak you out. But I do want to make you aware of a very present darkness in our world, okay? So, from a very, very young age... I moved around a lot. I moved seven times before I was the age of 12, okay? A lot of times. And it was a really fun adventure. Um, I got some of my family with me in the room right now, and they'll tell you, yeah, it was a really fun, there were a lot of really interesting experiences throughout all of that. But because of the person that I am, I found myself alone often. And I've wrestled with depression, anxiety, things like that for my entire life, even from a very young age. And this loneliness, this being sectioned off, combined with my uh, predisposal to anxiety, kind of put me in a very, very dark place. So many of us in this room, when life gets difficult, have had thoughts like, maybe it would be better if I wasn't here. Maybe it would be better if I was never born. The world doesn't really need me and what I have to contribute, right? Very, very dark things. The first time I ever recall having a thought like that was the age of nine. The age of nine. So you see, from a very, very young age, the devil was trying to separate me from God. Was trying to get me to shut my mouth and not talk to you all this morning about the way that he is in the way that he works, was trying to tell me that I was worthless, was trying to tell me that nobody loved me. All of these things from a young, young age. Fast forward a little bit to high school. So 
my family for a couple of years, we were participating in this camp during the summer called Camps Farthest Out. It was down in Georgia. And uh, my grandmother had been attending the camp for years, and she invited us all to join her there. And it was a really wonderful experience, all in all. Um, but one night, I was sitting with a group of my friends, and there was a student that came in there that was very disturbed. And he was wrestling with spiritual warfare, and he was dealing with things that at the time I did not understand very well at all. And as he's sharing these things with us, we in the group all decide maybe we should pray about this. Being the naive young man that I was, I decided to try to intervene. And I was not sealed at that time with the Holy Spirit. Did not know what I was dealing with. To make a long story short, I became directly controlled, oppressed, and tormented by God's enemy. And for two years... I lived that way in complete and total darkness for two years. Now, let's put my testimony on hold for a second. I want to share a few things with you. I was absolutely powerless, but for the grace of God. Um, as I mentioned earlier, for the past few weeks, we've been engaged in a study on the book Barbarian Way. And Pastor Craig uh, mentioned specifically last week, becoming a barbarian is somewhat of a dangerous business, right? It's dangerous. And I think that part of the danger lies in the fact that we actually begin to engage our spiritual enemy. We're no longer just passively observing him. We're no longer just blissfully unaware, but we actually engage the enemy and try to gain ground against him, right? Thankfully, we do not have to engage him unarmed, I'd like to read the rest of the scripture for you. I've got it right here. Um, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand um, sorry, the, in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Okay, disclaimer. Do not go to the store. Do not buy a, can of a, a, a bottle of Armor All. Do not spray it on yourself. I cannot advise that you do it. It's, it's toxic. I, I honestly don't know what will happen to you if you spray this on yourself. You want to know the funny thing, though? Some people think this is how the armor of God works. Some people think that you can spray it into the air and just kind of mist yourself with it, and you're going to be protected. And I don't think that's what the Scripture is indicating at all. It says, put on the whole armor of God, and it requires, our, okay, I'm going to use some strong language for a second, discipline. It requires discipline. You have to intentionally want to do this. This is actually the type of armor that Paul is referring to in this passage. This is standard issue first century Roman armor from about the time of Jesus to the time of Paul, okay? Um. So it's important as we move along that we have this kind of this image in mind. I'd like to go through each piece of armor one by one, and I want to tell you how maybe we can equip it and what it's for. 
So let's start uh, with verse 14, the belt. So on Roman armor, the belt served to so- hold several pieces together, mainly the loins and the breastplate, okay? So I think Paul is suggesting that truth works in this way, holding the other pieces of our spiritual armor together. Now, the question we should all be asking is, to what truth is Paul referring? I believe, based on referencing this passage and many others, he's pointing to the truth that Christ of Christ witnessed throughout the Bible. So the Bible in its entirety is a story about Jesus Christ, in case, in case you don't know that. Now, I want to I share something with you, and I want to be careful, but the Bible is 100% true in everything that it teaches, but, okay, hear me out for just a second, it does not contain all the truth that there is. Let me give you a practical example. It does not tell us that the sun in the sky right now is 94 million miles away. It does not state that fact. But here's what it does say. It says that God created the sun. It says that God is not the sun, right? And it says that we should worship God alone. So what the Bible does do in its truth is it teaches us to discern what is godly or Christ-like in any number of real-life situations. That's why we train our minds with it. Let's move on to the breastplate, also in 14. Breastplates protect vital organs in the upper body, most importantly, the heart. So the ancient understanding of the heart included all of the inward self, emotions, thoughts, motivations. I think Paul is suggesting that righteousness protects that part of us. Let me give you another disclaimer. It does not say that righteous living will save us. Only grace can save us. But it does steer our inward inclinations toward God, okay? Throughout his ministry, Jesus preached repentance and not mere apology. Repentance means, one, turning away from sin, and two, turning towards justice, mercy, and love. If you want to feel close to God, think about the way that you're living and try to practice God's commands. I guarantee you, you'll feel closer. Let's talk about the footwear. All right, so even today, shoes serve two purposes, right? One, protect your feet. Two, provide greater mobility, right? We can move better when we're in shoes. The gospel is like this because it serves as our greatest motivation to move, to do something. All preaching, teaching, singing, praying, serving, giving has a singular purpose of promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ. So Simon, when you lead worship, it has the singular purpose of promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Megan, when you lead the children, it has a singular purpose of promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you gather together for your Tuesday evening prayer meetings, it's to serve the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the single greatest thing. It's our great call and our great commission to go into all the world. Now, shields You can see he's got a shield right there. It's rather tall. Shields protect where armor is weak or lacking. It's important to note this. Faith is like this as well. I don't have to tell any of you this, okay? But I just want to remind you, during your Christian walk, you're going to encounter situations that are difficult to understand. Okay? Maybe coronavirus. Maybe that's difficult for you to understand. Maybe cancer. Maybe a death in your family. Maybe a loss of a job. 
really hard things that test us spiritually. Okay? And though some doubt I think is okay, faith is going to prevent you from being hit repeatedly and falling away. That's what we really don't want in our Christian life. We want to be able to fix our minds on Christ and Christ alone and not fall away from him. Something else interesting about shields in the ancient world. This is a really common battle formation in the Roman army called a phalanx. Phalanx, by the way, means spear, okay? Um, A sizable group of soldiers, eight or so, but that could be much larger, would put their shields together, which would prevent individual soldiers being hit from projectiles. So they would band together like this, and they would all kind of move together as arrows and spears and any number of things were flying at them, right? You know what I take away from this? We need each other. We need each other. My faith is not always strong. I'll tell you this week, my faith was tested in ways that it has not been in a long, long time. Okay? And if you look over and you see that your brother is struggling, you can say, no, be strong. The Lord has you. The Lord is holding you. If you look over and you see that your sister is struggling, no, be strong. The Lord has you. He's going to see you through this. Hold up the shield for other people as well. Now, one final piece of our armor here, the helmet. So helmets protect the head, which is arguably the most important part of the body. It's not perfectly clear, but... Paul is likely, again, referring to your inward parts, much like your heart. So I don't think that ancient people had a notion of a brain being the organ of thought, per se, right? But they still understood the importance of protecting your head, okay? In the ancient world, if somebody got hit in the head, they still get knocked out, right? (laughs) They got hit in the head with a projectile, well, you know what would happen, right? They understood the importance of protecting it. So that's why I think Paul encourages us elsewhere. Romans 12, 2. He tells us to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And in that particular passage, Paul is relating renewal to salvation. So when he says be transformed, he's talking about the transformational power of our salvation. I had a professor back in college who used to say, preach the gospel to yourself constantly. When the devil is coming at you, he may be saying some of these things to you this morning or throughout this week. When the devil's coming at you and he's saying, you're worthless. No, I'm not. Christ's workmanship. Chosen from the foundation of the world. Right? Life is meaningless. No, it's not. I've been commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations. I have a purpose in life. Right? He can't touch you if you know that you're safe and secure in Christ, if you repeat that to yourself in your mind and stop the broken record of whatever is dragging you away, okay? So, up to this point, we've been on the defensive, but I don't know if any of you have been in a fight before, but any of you who have even seen a fight know that you can't just stand there and defend yourself, right? You're not going to win. In order to win, you actually have to fight back which is why God has equipped us with weapons. Up here, I've got a slide with several swords on it. So that top one up there is a long sword. It's really good for hitting people off of a horse. That's why it's so long, 
okay? That's what it's designed to do. That one there on the right is a katana. You can slash and you can hack really quickly because your, your opponents can move really quickly. The type of sword we're talking about is this one here, a Roman gladius. You know what it's really good at? Stabbing, okay? So what a Roman soldier would do is hold up this massive shield and have this sword stab. And I think this is kind of the imagery that Paul had in mind when he's talking about sword of the word God. So, according to 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, every word of Scripture is God-breathed and suitable to equip us in every way. I want to note that Jesus himself used Scripture to combat Satan when he was being tempted in the wilderness. When Satan came at him, what did he do? No. Right away, he had a word for everything that Satan was trying to say, right? And that's how we need to prepare ourselves as well. The second weapon I think we have at our disposal is prayer. So prayer, to make it short, is uh, direct communication with God. The particular form of prayer mentioned here is supplication. That's kind of a big word. Supplication simply means lifting up requests. 1 Peter 5, 7 admonishes us to cast our cares on Jesus because he cares for us. So not only can you fight back with Scripture, if you're really feeling like the pressure is on you, if you're really feeling like you're under attack, whether you feel that it's spiritual warfare, whether you feel like it's just doubt in your own mind, you can always go to God in prayer. Now, I want to turn briefly to my wilderness experience. Where we left off, I was in a very, very dark place. So, um, it was toward the end of high school, and we, I was considering what to do with my life, and I really had no idea. Like, if you knew me back then, I was not a man with a plan, <laughs> and still in many ways, I'm not very much that way, but, <laughs> but uh, I, I really was like, yeah, yeah, really off. Um, but my wife She's the very opposite of me, and she had a plan. And she felt like God was calling her to go to this little school up in Michigan called Cornerstone University, which is a Christian college. And I, being madly in love with her, decided to follow her there, because why not? <laughs> and so uh, she and I made our way up there and made friends pretty quickly. And it was, starting, it was um, turning out to be a really good experience, except I still had this thing. I was still carrying it with me, right? I was up late talking with a friend one night. We began talking about deep spiritual things. And it came out that I was struggling a little bit. And I said, you know what? I resent God. I use those words. I resent God because two years ago, I was vulnerable. I was alone and I was afraid. And he abandoned me. Those are the words I use. He abandoned me to this Thing. And my friend, he tried to encourage me, but the thing that was, in, it, the thing that was controlling and, and, and forcing me to, to do things, it, it came out and said, you will not win. It came up against him. My friend began to pray for me that night, and we prayed for hours and hours and hours and hours, and nothing happened. Finally, my friend said, hey, man, listen is not just going to leave. You're going to have to make a decision. And I knew the decision that I had to make to follow Jesus. 
So I cried out to the Lord, and I said, help me. Would you help me, please? And you know what? He did. I was free. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I experienced a joy and peace like I had never experienced before in my entire life. And do you know what I did after that? And it wasn't two weeks after this experience. I began to put on the belt of truth. I wanted to learn all I could about this God who saved me. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I walked away from my old life and started running toward a new one. I put on the shoes of the gospel and made it my life's purpose to promote the kingdom of God. I picked up my shield of faith and I placed my trust in Jesus. I put on the helmet of salvation, and to this day, I preach the gospel to myself constantly. I lifted up my cares to God, and I fought back with the sword of God's word. I was free. So here's my question to you this morning. Are you struggling? Are you having a hard time? Do you think you may be subject to an attack? Are you afraid? Come to Jesus and live, truly Live. If you want to be free, please come to Jesus. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, it's hard to even know what to say, Lord, in your presence. Lord, you are a mighty deliverer. Lord, you are triumphant over our enemy. You are triumphant and sovereign over everything that happens in this world. You are all-powerful. You are gracious and all-knowing. Lord, we know that by Your hand we can be delivered from anything that comes our way. And we know, Lord, that when You come again, You're going to make the world the way that You always intended it. That ultimately, we're all going to be free and we're going to see You face to face. And that's such a treasure to be able to place our hope in You in that way. I pray this morning for everyone in this, in this room. I pray that You would act on their behalf, Lord. I pray that You would stir them and move in their hearts. I pray that You would help them to be able to engage the enemy, Lord, and to gain spiritual ground, to step out in faith and to share their testimony with their friends and their family to be a representation of you in their workplaces, Lord, that lives would be healed, that chains would be broken. And we know that you can do all this. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, I didn't really plan a benediction. <laughs> I told you I'm not really a man with a plan. <laughs> But I just want to encourage you with this. You have everything that it takes to leave this room and to go out into the world and to make a huge difference for Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to, to take a step of faith and to go and to do that today. Please go in peace.